on and uh, as you know we give to uh, different missions, ventures uh, around the world but this one's for our community and I'm so thankful for it. It's in a month's time. It was birthed in the heart of Charles. I'm going to talk about it uh, just at the end of the meeting uh, but I'm just so thrilled to see what's happening as we take the church outside these four walls. How many of you know that's a great idea? That's God's heart to take the church outside the four walls. I have one last thing to do, and I think all the musos have gone, which is uh, good. Give them a big hand. They do a great job every Sunday. We do have a special friend here today. Her name's Molly, and I'm not going to... I'm going to try really hard not to embarrass you, Molly, because she's sitting at the front going, no, please don't do this. But Molly actually works for Quest Apartments, and she is the uh, events coordinator. And she's here most days, sitting at the information desk. She came today because she wanted to support Jordan. And uh, she's become like not just part of the furniture, I think you've become like part of the family. And we really love having you here. Uh, you're such a great, great young lady. And uh, you're going to leave us now. I think you're going away in a couple of weeks' time. I think for three to maybe six months. You don't know yet. And uh, we just want to say to you, firstly, thank you for serving us. Uh, one of the great things she does when we, she first came here, I said, now listen, your job is that whenever you get extra food, uh, you know, leftover food for conferences, you've got to bring it to me. And you have done a fantastic job in doing that. So we are so thankful. But you know what? We just love your heart. And uh, you, you've just fit in so well. You really serve. And uh, like I said, you're an outstanding Young lady, so we've just got a small gift for you. I was going to get you to come up here, but then you'll, um, you know, you're going to go. Do you, are you going to? Do you want to come up? Come up here. That'd be fantastic. Now you also play basketball with my wife Meredith, don't you? And you do a great job. So, do you want to say anything? Would you like to? I'm not prepared for this. Aren't you? <laughs> Would you just like to say hi and just how good I am and stuff like that? just like to say how much I have liked working here and I probably will actually miss here the church more than the job um but yeah thank you so much you're awesome you're awesome now we've got a little gift for you there you go we just want to just bless you and I want you to know we're going to be praying for you and that God will really bless you um, you've got a really soft heart and you've got a heart for people. And, you know, I just pray that on your journey that you'll just discover how much God really, really loves you. All right? So thank come you. Back. Yes, come back. Give her a big hand. Thanks, love. God bless you. Now, <clears throat> you haven't got a boyfriend, so I, I'm really good. Molly, I'm really good at finding husbands. So when you come back, we'll have a chat and... Uh, I told you you're going to love coming today. I think it's absolutely great. Today I want to talk to you about resolving inner conflict. And I don't know about you, but, you know, inner conflict, when you're not at peace with yourself, how many of you know you'll not be at peace with others? So today I want to have a look at what the Bible says about what happens when we actually have inner conflict. How do we resolve this war sometimes within ourselves. And I'm going to take a passage that was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, he, 14 out of the 27 
uh, letters or the 27 uh, books in the Bible, the New Testament, 14 of them, that's over half, were attributed to him. 14. He was one of the most influential figures in the apostolic age. Between 30 and 50 AD, he planted and establishes several churches in Asia Minor and in Europe. So this man is not a novice. So when you read about what he writes, you know, we should pay attention. He's a great leader. He's a great leader in history and biblical history and many of Many leaders uh, have been impacted by his writings, which he wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let me make that clear. It wasn't just his own philosophy, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is a mature man. And he writes this passage of scripture in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, about internal conflict. And it sort of surprises me because when I read it, I think to myself, wow, You're telling me that as a mature Christian, you had some internal battles. And when I read this passage, it gives me confidence because thank God that God uses human vessels that struggle sometimes in life. He doesn't use perfect people. Just look at the person next to you just for a moment. They are not perfect. Now, some of us are a lot more perfect than others. We've got a lot more. But you know what? He, God uses... Many times broken vessels, people that are inadequate, people that struggle with life because it's about the power of God and the purpose of God in his life. So I want to read this scripture to you. It's Romans chapter 7 verse 21. And basically it's talking about struggling with our inner conflict but mostly highlighting sin. So let me read it to you. So I find this law at work within me. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, in other words, my spirit, my heart, I delight in God's word. But there is another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and trying to take me prisoner of the law of sin. What a wretched man that I am. Who can save me? Who can rescue me from the struggle, the battle that is within me? This is what he says, and this is the hope. Thank be to God that through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we have victory over sin. Isn't that great? That's great news. Now, sin, and we don't like to talk about sin, but sin is not just the act of disobedience. It's when we contradict and go willingly against God's design and purpose. Sometimes we get caught up. We think that sin is just the act of disobedience, but there's something deeper. Sin is a lot deeper than that. Sin is actually when we don't line up with the purpose and the God's design for our life. Sometimes we judge people's actions. Aren't you glad that God judges our hearts? When we look at Adam and Eve, which is where sin originated, and we read the passage in Genesis, we get caught up with the apple. We get caught up with the act. 
uh, we are just like that. We get caught up with actions that we, we do that we think that are wrong. But God looks beyond that. The, the, it wasn't that they, the disobedient act. What it was is they chose to not follow God's design and purpose for their life. How many of you know that God has a design and a purpose for your life? And so Paul talks about this battle. This battle between your body... We're a triune being. There's three parts of us. We have a body which encases our spirit, which our, has a soul. Our soul has got to do with our mind, our emotions and our will. Very, very powerful part of our life. We think with our mind, we feel with our emotions and we act with our will. How many of you know if you think wrong and you feel wrong, guess how you're going to act? And then we have our spirit, triune being. Our spirit is actually our inner person, our inner man. It's the real us. It's, where, it's our heart. It's with our heart. The Bible says it's with your heart that you believe. That's where you have convictions. And our body encases our soul, our personality, and encases our spirit. So Paul says that there's a battle on with these three areas of our life. Now, how many of you have had those battles? Put your hand up. Put it up really high so you can see how many normal people we have in this church. Our, our body sometimes is in conflict with our mind and our emotions and sometimes is in conflict with our spirit. This is what the, the Apostle Paul is talking about. Let me give you a very, very practical example. How many of you have ever fasted? Put your hand up if you fast. You know, in, in February, we always do a fast. Actually, in July, we're about to do a seven-day fast as a church. It's not to try and manipulate God, but rather it's to position our heart to be more sensitive to the Spirit of God. And when we come into the month of February, I, I have this struggle. Because what happens is that my spirit wants to respond to what God wants me to do, to fast, to make my heart more sensitive, but my body is reacting like anything. Do you know, I, when I start the fast for about four to five days, there's this raging battle. I find that the refrigerator talks to me while I'm fasting. <laughs> I walk past the refrigerator and, and I hear it calling my name, Nick, Nick. There's leftover apple pie with cream and we've got ice cream with it. And you know, my body begins to rage against my spirit. There's this internal conflict in my spirit that causes me to have a battle. I hate it when, when we fast again. Meredith has leftover food. I love spaghetti. I love Italian sauce. And when I have to go, when I have to fast, you know, I, I hate it when we've got leftover food because I love leftover food. You know, Molly doesn't know this, but actually in February we were fasting and she comes up, and I love sweets, and she comes up with this tray of leftover cakes. I'm thinking, Molly, if only you knew the battle that is raging within me right now. And everything inside of me said, who's going to know? <laughs> Molly won't know. She doesn't know you're fasting. She doesn't know what you're trying to do. It's just a little cake. There was those little, I don't know if you remember those, the little cakes. I thought to myself, if I could just have one of those, just one. 
but I stayed strong. And my spirit won that battle. Do you know, I was looking at um, some sermons and um, about three months ago and this title came up. And I never got to hear the message, but this was the title of the sermon. I thought it was incredible. This is, what, this is what the title was. When me, myself and I agree. I thought, wow. When me, you know there's three parts of us? Me, myself and I. And when we agree, you know, Charles a couple of weeks ago, he spoke about unity. And he spoke about the power of what happens when you know. But you know that sometimes the hardest person to be in unity is yourself? When me, myself and I agree. Great things can happen when you align up these three areas of God's design of how he made you with his purpose and his plan. The other day I was in a leadership forum and I was asked this question, just, just someone just threw it at me and I wasn't prepared for the question. They said to me, what is the hardest challenge that you have as a leader? And I thought about it for a moment and I said, the hard, and you know, I think they were thinking I was going to say, well, it's, you know, faith. It's about finances, trying to, you know, bring provision to the vision. Um, you know, is it about different leadership styles? And, and all of a sudden, out of my spirit, it wasn't out of my head, but out of my heart, this is what came out. I said, you know, the biggest challenge is me, keeping myself intact. Now, how many of you know that is one of our greatest challenges today, to keep ourselves intact? And, you know, we, we seem to be able to know how to cover up these internal conflicts, we put masks on, sometimes we have titles, and sometimes we, we have crutches to try and keep ourselves intact. But this is what I've noticed. I've noticed that many times our relational conflicts are a reflection of our inner world. Did you know sometimes, have you ever met angry people? Have you ever met people who've got a chip on their shoulder? Who's ever met people like that? And it's like the whole world is against them. They just seem to be angry at everyone all the time. And if you look a little bit closer, and this is not a judgment, it's just a reality, many times what it is is a reflection of the incredible battle that is going on within them. They just have a raging war within themselves, and many times they are angry at themselves. Because our internal conflicts, many times, are a reflection of our external conflicts. And I understand that. You've heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. And that's why it's so important that we understand about this inner conflict that we all go through. But as the Apostle Paul said, thank God, thank Jesus Christ that we have an example and that we have his power and his purpose to access to help us to work out this inward conflict. So today I just want to give you a couple of trigger points. What are some of the triggers that cause internal conflicts? What are some of the things that actually push and press the buttons in our life that cause these internal conflicts between our spirit and our soul and our body? So I'm going to throw three up very, very quickly. Now, these are just three of them. You're not gonna, we're not going to be able to really go into depth with all these three. But you know what? This is what I want to encourage you in. You know, we all have a Bible and we all have opportunities to study. 
If today some things begin to trigger, can I please ask you, you know, it's our responsibility. It's your responsibility to really see what God is saying about your life. And do everything you can to make sure that you have truth and a great foundation about these areas of your life. So here's the first one. Hurts. When we're wounded to the soul, that causes incredible conflict in our being. Here's the second one. Weaknesses of character, flaws and faults. Now, how many of you here would like to think, like I said, we've all got flaws, we've all got faults. There's not one person here that today is perfect. We are on a journey of maturity, but every one of us struggle with weaknesses in our character. All of us have an Achilles heel, if we're honest. Here's the third one, sin. Not living according to God's design. When you don't live according to God's design and in God's purpose, it will cause internal conflict. There will be a raging battle until you resolve in your heart who you're going to serve. So let's look at the first point very quickly. We're only going to go through two of them because of time. The first one is hurts. Do you know when you get hurt, when there's wounds to your soul, there's nothing that causes internal conflict, inner conflict like a wounded spirit. Who's ever been hurt? Put your hand up if you've been hurt. If you haven't been hurt, you're not living, you're not alive. Every single one of us has gone through an offense or, a, or something that has hurt us and to many of us in this room, the, the level of pain is determined by, by the, the, the conduct of what's happened to your life. For instance, some people carry massive wounds. I've said this many times on this platform that rejection and betrayal are the greatest wounds to the human spirit. When somebody rejects you and somebody betrays you, they, they cause the greatest wounds to your soul, to your spirit. In other words, your mind goes into anguish. Your emotions go into anguish. You know, your will begins to harden and you begin to stop, you begin to isolate and you begin to create a, a wall of resistance, of protection and you begin to lose trust. These things cause incredible conflict in your heart that in turn can cause inc incredible conflict with other people. In Proverbs 18, 14, it says, a man's spirit, listen to this, that your spirit, the way that God designed you, that you can sustain sickness. Do you know, you, the way God created you, you, you are able to actually sustain when your body is physically sick. But listen to what it says. It goes on to say, but a wounded spirit, a wounded soul, who can bear it? Who can carry the pain when you've been hurt? Now, God has given us a key, a key to restore in a conflict. It's called forgiveness. Thank God that God has made a way that you can, you can actually resolve the inner conflict in your life by forgiving. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ Jesus forgave you. This is why the Apostle Paul says, with this wretched man that I am, there's this pull, there's this fight in my spirit, with my soul and my body. I want to do what's right, but, but my old nature, my old way, my way without God, my life without God, causes me 
to fight his purpose. But thank God that Jesus has given us an example and he's given us his power to access so that we can be free. You know, when you don't forgive, this is what happens. When you don't forgive, there's seeds of bitterness that begin to invade your heart. Hatred, thoughts of hatred begin to invade your mind. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm Italian. I've I've got Italian heritage. I want revenge. I want revenge. When someone hurts me, I want to hurt them bad. Now, how many of you have heard the song by Boy George? You know, do you want me to sing it to you? Who wants me to sing it to you? Put your hand up. Do you really want to hurt me? What's the next? I don't know the next line. Do you really want to make me cry? Yes, I do. I do want to hurt you. When I get hurt, I want revenge. I want justification. I want payback. Actually, I'm actually preaching. You know, Boy George goes to church. He goes to a church in Bromley in England. I'm actually preaching in that church. I'm hoping that he's there. He's been on a journey. Anyway, that's just a whatever. (laughs) When I get there, I'm going to say, why did you write that song? (laughs) But my old nature, I want revenge. So do you. Don't, Don't look at me and go, well, you know, you're not very spiritual. You're just as bad. Be honest. Aren't those the first thoughts that come in your mind when somebody hurts you? We, we go, we click into our old nature, and what happens is we want payback time. We want revenge. And forgiveness is not an easy thing. And I want to tell you, I, I don't know, you know, I, I think, you know, Meredith and I, you know, we've been, we've been in church life since very, very young. I've been in leadership since I was 21. And I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly because wherever you've got people, you've got tensions. You've got tensions of maturity. You've got different tensions of where people are at. And, and, I, and I think there's been a couple of times in church life where we've been hurt quite deeply. Do you know when you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to be faithful to what God wants you to do and then something happens that can just, just blindside you and, and, and something, people say things or people do things that can actually really, really deeply hurt you. And I remember one particular situation where, you know, it, I, I didn't realise, you know, here's, here's the funny thing. When, when you get hurt, you find out a lot about yourself. I was shocked at my behaviour. I was shocked at some of the thoughts that I had. You think I'm joking when I, when I talk about revenge. Man, I, I, was, I was thinking up plans of how I could do payback. Now, you might look at me. How many of you know that I'm just a great person? Put your hand up. If you, how many of you? Put, put it up higher. Let, please, people, help me here today. Give me a little bit of confidence, you know what I mean? but I know me. And I was shocked when I was actually going through this process where my spirit and the word of God was saying to me, forgive, but my emotions, mate, they were going, no way. No way. 
No way, till this side of hell, it ain't happening. And I was shocked, and in those three years, I learned a lot about the dark side. But Jesus, who is our hope, gives us this incredible example. See, Jesus doesn't just say the word. He just didn't give us the word. He lived the word. He actually came when we should have been punished for our sin. And he died on a cross. He shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. And there's some things that I've learned in time as I've been reading his word. And there's two things that I want to just bring to your attention today about this inner conflict. This thing that seems to push buttons in us, but there's just two points I want to bring out today because forgiveness, we could talk about forgiveness 52 weeks of the year and still not really touch on the incredible depth of grace that God has given us. But here's two things I learned about Jesus while he was on the cross. While he was on the cross, there was two thieves that was put on either side. I love the picture of the crucifixion. It was one of the most barbaric ways to die. The Romans obviously thought, I'm Italian, you know, they thought of, boy, of how to, how to kill. But the cross is, is so symbolic of the grace of God because he died with outstretched arms. And the incredible thing about it is that he had two thieves on either side. One of them recognises his own condition and the condition of his heart and turns to Jesus and asks for forgiveness. I think, wow. The other on his left side does something totally opposite. He actually turns to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, prove it. This is what I learned. Not everybody in life that hurts you is going to ask you for forgiveness. There are some people that are going to hurt you and they're not going to ask for your forgiveness. Jesus had the classic example. One person asked for forgiveness, the other one didn't. The other one was so caught up in his own arrogance and his own pride and blindness that he actually said to Jesus, prove it. You know, there's some people out there that that have hurt you and maybe you're waiting for them to come up and, and ask for your forgiveness. And you know what, can I, can I just tell you a reality? That might not happen. But you know what? This is the love of God. We still are told by scripture to forgive and extend grace. Did you know Jesus extended grace to both? He didn't extend it just to the one that asked. His love still went out to the one who refused to accept him. And friends, what I've learned is, you know, one of the situations we walked through, I was waiting for this particular person to one day come and say to me, hey, I've just wronged you, I've hurt you. You know, we came to an understanding that, you know what, this just wasn't going to happen. And some of you here today, maybe, you know what happens? You get caught up in this turmoil in your spirit because you're waiting for the person who's hurt you to forgive you and maybe you need to do this. Maybe you need to let them off the hook by saying, you know what, they might just never do that but I'm still going to forgive them and extend grace. Now, how many of you know that is hard to do? See, it's easy to forgive someone that asks you to forgive them but boy, it's hard to forgive someone who won't forgive you. Here's the other thing 
that I've learnt from this particular passage of Scripture in Luke. Jesus turned around and says, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. What an incredible heart. Did you know some people hurt you and they have no awareness that they've hurt you? Sometimes it doesn't matter. You might think that some of you have been through some horrific hurts. Some of you have been hurt by parents. Some of you have been abandoned. Some of you have known rejection. Some of you have gone through marriage breakups. And I know that those things are really, really difficult. And you might be waiting for them to come, but, you know, this is the grace of God. This is why forgiveness is so powerful. This is why Jesus, you know, his example is so powerful because he, while he was on the cross, he made this statement. He said, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Sometimes people have blind spots. Sometimes people have narcissistic personalities. And I'm not saying that you should be abused and I'm not saying that you should, you know, continue to go back into those relationships. But you know what? The conflict that happens, one of the things that can tear us apart is when we are so wounded and hurt by the things of our past and relationships of our past that we cannot move forward. And God today, for some of you, there's this internal conflict that goes on. And God wants to put it to rest through the power of forgiveness. You know, when I used to play football, and yes, I did play football. I'm going to take this jacket off. It's quite hot. You can see this physique I've got that I played football. When I was playing football, I was playing under-17s. And, and I'll never forget this day. We were, we were quite a good team. We were playing um, this team that wasn't quite rated, you know, uh, they were way below us on the, on the table. And so they got out there and they were playing dirty tactics. It was just physical. And they just got out there right from the front. They were just chasing the body. And there's one particular guy, I was playing, you know, Ruck Rover, and um, this one particular short kid, he just targeted me. And every time I got the ball, he would hit me in the kidneys. And it looked like he was just grabbing me, but he was thumping me on both ends. I got so angry. You know, my whole... Fo- you know, he... he he, he, cha- he, he got me to shift my focus. My whole focus became revenge. I was going to get this guy. My whole thing was forget the ball, forget the game, I'm out to get you. So I began, you know, I just thought, God, I prayed. <laughs> now, sometimes we pray for God to give us an opportunity. <laughs> Don't be so spiritual, you know you do. <laughs> we pray, we say, God. Hurt them. <laughs> do you really want to hurt? Yes, we do. And you know what happened? I was, I was, I was literally going, just, just give me the opportunity. God, he's a sinner. Let me hurt him. <laughs> he was hitting me and hitting me and, you know, and, and he was winding me. And this opportunity came. I got the ball. He was right behind me. And what I did is I bounced the ball. I got out of the way. I turned around. As I turned around, he came full pelt in me with his knee and kneed me. And they had to take me off. I was out for two weeks. Do you know, sometimes we pursue revenge and we become prisoner of the pain. God wants to deal with this internal conflict. And I know that today this is such a huge subject. I want to be careful with it because... 
do you know, we, we make light of it. And I know that some of you, some, sometimes forgiveness is a process. Sometimes you have to get counselling. Sometimes, why do you get counselling? Because sometimes what happens is a good counsellor begins to tell you the truth and begins to realign your, your spirit, the truth, to your emotions and make sure that your emotions get in line. Let me give you the last one because we haven't got time. Let's go to the last one. Sin, not living by God's design. You know, like I said, sin, this is a trigger. Sin is not just an act of disobedience. It's not just when we do something wrong. It's way, way deeper than that. Sin is when we contradict and go willingly against God's design and purpose. Do you know that God designed and he purposed you to live for him? to carry his call and his purpose. That's why Geordie, at a very young age, at 23, he has found the purpose of God for his life. Now, that purpose doesn't always mean that you're going to be on a platform or you're going to be in ministry. Sometimes that purpose means to be a doctor or to be a nurse or sometimes to be a teacher. It's finding the design and purpose that God actually wants you to live. Psalm 139, 14 says this, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When we don't live according to God's design and purpose, we come into internal conflict. Did you know that you were going back to forgiveness? Did you know that you were created to forgive? God put it in your design because we're made in his image. And sometimes we struggle with this, but you know what? In your DNA, in your spiritual DNA, in your design, God actually created you to be able to forgive. Did you know that many times the things that you know, we have conflict in is because we don't understand God's design. So when we say someone has sinned, we get caught up in the acts and we actually become quite judgmental because we focus on the acts. You know, the adulterous woman, when she got caught in the act of adultery, the men of that community began to get, they got caught in the act. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't get caught in the act, but he looks at the heart? Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't saying to her, what you've done is right. But he, he understood that the act of sin goes way beyond the act of a hand. It is actually the act of the heart not being in line with the purpose of God. That's why God, in the way he's designed us, he's given us a conscience. You know, you've been given a conscience and you might not be aware of your conscience, but God has given you a conscience so that whenever you contradict his design and his purpose, there's like a warning light. There's like a sound that goes off. And how many of you know that sometimes when you're actually doing something that's wrong, how many of you have, have, heard, the, have heard the warning siren? How many of you have heard that? How many of you have seen the warning light and still when we unwillingly follow the patterns of our own life and we say, God, I, I, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and continue to walk that path against the design and the way he's created us, then the Bible says that we sear our conscience. In other words, what happens is we, we come to a place where we deaden our conscience, and if you deaden your conscience and you don't follow, you know, and you don't listen to your conscience, the Bible says that we sear it. In other words, it, it, we lose the ability to stop when we're going the wrong way. Now that becomes absolutely dangerous. There's a disease, I don't know, a condition, I don't know what it is, but where you can put your hand in a fire or, or touch something that's really hot, but you can't feel it. 
I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's lupus, if it's got something to do with lupus, Charles. I don't know if you know what it's called. I'm not even going to try and say it. But there is a condition. So in other words, you can put your hand on a hot plate and leave it there. It can burn your hand because you've lost the, the sense, the, 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 the feeling and the senses, and so what happens, it causes danger. The same is true with your inner world. If you don't listen to the conscience because you've been made a certain way, you've been made in the design, in God's design, you can cause incredible damage to your mind and emotions. It's a conscience. So what's the key? What key has God given us to realign to his purpose and his plan? I thank God, you know, we're a unique being. We're a complex being. We've got a body, a soul, and a spirit. And, and when we realize, and that's why it's important to find out, how did God design you? What's the purpose that God's given you? How did he make you? Because if you go against these things, you, you will come into pain and you'll come into internal conflict in your heart. So God's given us this key. It's called repentance. Everybody say repentance. Repentance is not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word. It's a great word. Today we don't understand the full impact of repentance or why God has given us repentance. In Acts chapter 3 verse 19 it says this, Repent therefore and turn back so that your sins may be forgiven and removed and so that internal conflict stops. And Marie, can I have you come up here? We're going to just finish with this. This is what repentance means. Repentance means this, that I'm going my way I'm going against the design and the pattern and the purpose of my life and I come to a point and realise that the, what I'm doing is causing more internal conflict, is causing incredible damage to my life and I stop and make a decision. This is what repentance does. Repentance does a 180 and realigns itself to the purpose of God. I turn back and realign myself to the purpose and the plan of God. That's repentance. And the Bible says that all of us, I don't, you know, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or not, we all have this possibility that the, the Apostle Paul says, we all have this internal conflict. We all sometimes do wrong things, but God has given us this key repentance that the moment you do, the moment you recognize that you are on the wrong track, repent, repent, turn around and align yourself with the purposes of God. Do you know, this is what I've noticed. Whenever the, I've done that, because there's been times in my life I've made wrong decisions. I, I've, I've, I've gone against the design and the purpose of how God created my emotions, how God created my purpose, how God created me to think. The moment I repent and I turn around, it's like the blessing of God comes. It's like all of a sudden things, just, things that weren't right all of a sudden realign themselves to the purpose of God. My mind begins to think clearer. My emotions are free. And I'm able to walk with great confidence. Great confidence. You know, some people think, and, and, and I say this very sensitively, please hear what I'm about to say. You know, some people go to counselling time after time after time after time. And, and, but they still behave the same way. Who's ever met people like that? You know, they go to counselling time after time after time and they, you know, the, the counsellor gives them all these principles 
but they never take this key because unless you repent from the way you're going, you're never going to change. You know, in Luke chapter 15, we hear the story of the prodigal son. He, he lived, it's a parable. And it gives us great insight because he left his father. His father um, loved him. But his son said, give me my inheritance. Now, when we read that story, we think he was about 17 years old, 18 years old. No, he was 30 years old. He must have been over 30 years old because... You couldn't receive an inheritance. Your father could not give you your inheritance if you hadn't reached the age of maturity. So this is not a kid that didn't understand how he should live life. But what happened is he chose to come out of his father's design and say, I am going to live for myself. I'm going to just do what I want to do. But the more he kept walking the wrong way, the way that he wasn't designed, the more trouble he got into. The Bible says that his wealth was squandered, that his mates turned on him, and he ended up in a pig pen. It was while he was in that pig pen that he realized that the way he was walking was not the way God had designed him to walk. It was not the purpose of God upon his life. And at that point in that pig pen, he made a decision. He repented. He turned around and he said, God, I need to line up back with your purpose and will. And as he began to walk back towards his home, you know the story, his father reached out with open arms and restored him. Why? Because the inner conflict stopped. Do you know today... I'm going to close with this. Today, there's some of us in this room that you've got inner conflict. And it's so easy when you're in a, when you're in inner conflict to blame others. You know, Adam and Eve gave us a great example in the Garden of Eden, didn't they, about how to shift and project blame. It's his fault. She made me do it. This made me do it. Do you know what? When you live like that, you're just going to, you're just going to keep you're just going to keep, keep adding conflict to your life. But the moment that you come to a place and you go, God, God, help me. I'm a wretched person. I make mistakes. But thank, this is the Apostle Paul. This is Paul, who, who, like I said, was one of the great Christian leaders who had this incredible internal conflict in his heart and he comes to this understanding that the only hope that he had was Jesus Christ. And to follow his example. And that the, at the moment that he aligned his life, his will, at the moment that me, myself and I line up and we follow the pattern and the principle and the way God designed us, that that internal conflict would come to peace. That's not an easy journey. I wish I could stand up here today and say to you, oh, it's real easy. This is all you do. And in a way it is because it's a choice I can't trust my emotions some days how many of you know what I'm talking about man if we just live by emotions we would be a wreck so how do you how do you resolve these internal conflicts in your life you look to Jesus you look to his example you ask him for his strength and his power to help you, you say God I, I, I seem like you know there's, there's some people here today you're entangled You've got some entanglements in your life. 
And right now, I, I can just see a picture of people just, you're blaming, you're projecting, it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. But you know what? It's actually the internal conflict that you have in your own life. And today, God reaches out and the Spirit reaches out with grace. This is not a judgment message because I stand exactly where you stand. This, this is a message of hope. This is a message that, you know what? We can stop the internal conflicts of our life when we come to a place and we line up with the purpose of God. So can I just have every head just bowed, every eye closed. This is just a sensitive moment. You know, this time of the meeting is, is about just being open and vulnerable. It's about just saying, God, help me. And I wonder today if you would be brave enough to just have a look at your situation just for a minute. Just have a look at it. Which, where are you tracking? How are you tracking? How, how's, is there internal conflict that you've got no peace? I, I, I think there's some people here you're just frustrated. I think there's some people here today, you're just angry. And they're just internal things. And God wants to put it to rest. And when you today, if you in your heart say, God, today, I just want to give you these things. God, give me strength. Help me to realign me, myself, and I with your purpose and your plan. If you'd like prayer for that today, just lift your hand very quickly for me. Would you do that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. There's hands just everywhere. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Just put your hands down. Let me just pray for you. Let's just pray. Father, today, we just come in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, Lord. Lord, you know every heart. You know every situation. You know every internal struggle. You know the conflict of the mind, of the emotion, of the spirit. And I thank you, God, you don't judge us. You don't condemn us. Lord, today you're not pointing the finger down. Today, Lord, you want to give us freedom. You want us to be free. You want us to have hope. You want us to have confidence. You want us to have victory. And Father, today, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this week that you will speak, that you will help, that, Lord, that people that, that have put their hands up, Lord, that this internal conflict will stop as they surrender to your purpose, to your plan, whether it is to forgive. I know that's such a hard journey, Lord, but help us to understand your plan. Help us to look at your example. And I pray today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that this week, that, Lord, there'd be a realignment of heart with your heart and your purpose, and that people would be free. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Why don't you give God a hand of praise this morning and just thank Him. And You know, can I, can I just really encourage you? Can I really encourage you in this journey that this week, don't, if there's that conflict, you know, you might need to talk to someone. Come and talk to us. Sometimes, you know, my second point was about confessing our weaknesses. The Bible says if you confess your weaknesses, you'll be healed. You might need to talk to someone to help you on the journey. But put your, get that inner world right. And you'll find that the other things that you're actually believing God for will begin to resolve themselves in their own way.
You know, we're going to finish today with taking up an offering for a hope tour. So let me just very quickly just just tell you something about hope tour. Charles has already filled you in. Hope tour um, was planted in Pastor Charles's heart. God gave him vision, and like I've said before, vision is not goal setting. It's not just about ideas. It's not just hey. Let's see what everybody else is doing. That's not what vision is. Vision actually is birthed by God. Did you know Charles, and I love him to bits, he's not clever enough to come up with Hope Tour. And I say that respectfully. He's not. And if you saw what he's been doing behind the scenes, he's got over 20 schools engaged, not just in this region. You see, that's when something's birthed of God, God enables you to do it. God enables you to do it. I've watched him on the phone. He, you know, a couple of months ago, actually only about a month ago, he goes, Pastor Nick, this seems hard. There were some things that weren't, he, he actually wanted to get a different speaker. It fell through. And, you know, we just kept saying, you know what, Charles, if this is God, God will open the door. God will make a way. So you've got to understand, this is not just an idea the church has got. Our missions and what we do is just not ideas. They're God-birthed seeds that God plants in our life so that they can actually be germinated so the seed brings great fruit into our community. So you, I want you to understand that. Because if you think that, you know, the, the things that we, we present to you are just, oh, you know, we were just sort of having pizza one night and, you know, we woke up with this funny idea. It's not how it works. God spoke to Charles. I remember when he came back from New Zealand, he was, wasn't just excited because I wanted to see whether it was just excitement. It wasn't just excitement. It was because I genuinely sensed that God had put this in his heart. It was a miracle. And today, the miracle continues on. So when we're giving today, we're not giving to an idea. We're giving to vision that God has and purpose that God has for this community. You know, five years ago, this area did not have a lot of Christian churches, good Christian churches. Many of you in this room prayed for this area. There's many people that have prayed for this area. All of a sudden, we're seeing churches pop up and explode all over the place. And thank God for that. Because our communities need to get back to align ourselves with the heart and purpose of God. So we're going to pray in a moment. Now, if you need a credit card slip, I don't say this. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed um, because I, I, this is a great, great purpose. And, and if you maybe haven't come prepared today, there's still opportunities in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Tim O'Matic is here. Now, Tim O'Matic is just a person that God will use. You know, he's on his own journey. And uh, I'm amazed how that's come about. I think that's an incredible miracle of God. But if you need a credit card slip, would you just put your hand up? Because we're, we're just about to give and somebody, one of the ushers will come. We're going to pray. And can I say this? If you didn't come prepared today, can you pray about this? And maybe during the week you can go online or you can actually uh, maybe next week put that offering and just make sure you make a market hope tour. So if you need a credit card slip, put your hand up. Someone will get to you just over here very quickly. Just keep it up just high, just for a second. Then we're going to pray. Why don't we do that right now? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Hope Tour. Lord, we can see that um, this has been orchestrated by you. 
We see that your handprint is on it. We see, Lord, that many, many thousands of young people are going to get the opportunity. They're going to get seeds sown in their heart. Lord, I remember when I was at school and Christian organizations would come in. Seeds were sown. That, Lord, I remembered you used those seeds for my future. And I pray, God, that you would help us as a church to unlock your purpose and your plan, Lord, for this for this vision, for this, Lord, venture that you have for this community. We think of Bendigo. We think of Geelong. We think of the outer regions, Lord. We think of 1330 down at Scoresbury. Lord, we, we, we think of Werribee. Father, all these centres that we're going to be able to go into and to minister and bring hope and a message of love. We thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Fantastic. There's some containers uh, on your uh, on the ends of your seats. Could you just pass them down? That would be fantastic. Great. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you see Molly today, make sure you go up and say hi and introduce yourself to her. You're just going to be just thrilled to know she's a fantastic lady. Make sure you congratulate Geordie and also his lovely, this lovely person that he has with her. We're looking forward to hearing great things in the future. Hey, give someone a high five. Tell someone you love them, that you care about them. Thank you for coming today. Make sure you grab some coffee and uh, have a fantastic, fantastic day today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's no fear.